Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Libro Cubicalist. Libro Cubicalist, you might say correctly. Something I say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. I say this as a warning of spoilers, a sort of spoiler warning, I think you might call that. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps... You pass the podcast on to a friend, perhaps. You rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps podcasts grow and not stagnate. Because stagnation leads to uh, eradication. Oh, that I may have made up, but I don't know. What I also may have made up is this button that I'm going to push that will start the podcast like this. Ladies and gentlemen. you some things. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Sword Wars, Episode 4, A New Trope. Oh, interesting. You know what I've realized? I think, if I do recall, for the first time ever, a movie monologue movie is one that appears in the movie monologue uh, uh, song at the, the top of the movie monologue, and that is Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. That's the whistling sound you hear in that. So, you know, that's something. I don't know what it is, but it is something. <clears throat> okay, so uh, I rewatched Kill Bill Volume One and Two because I goddamn well felt like it. And uh, every once in a while, uh, you'll have a movie from your past that you so greatly enjoy that you'll develop an itch. That itch will mean you have to watch it uh, in order to scratch said itch. So uh, that's what I did, and boy howdy, am I glad I did? Yes, uh, easy, easy. Japanesey? No. Well, a little bit in the terms of swords and uh, martial arts. Uh, easy, easy for me to give this uh, five out of five as I knew I would because this is, I believe, maybe the fifth or sixth viewing of these movies. Uh, as they're some of my favorite movies. Uh, what can be said about Kill Bill that hasn't been said before? I don't know. And as I am a unprofessional reviewer of things. I should perhaps leave it at that. Uh, just saying they're good. Here's my rating. Let's move on. Uh, one of the other reasons I should do that is because I have a lot of movies to talk about. And uh, not much time to talk about them in. 
And uh, just on that note, I'm trying to really, really stick to my timer on this episode. Uh, normally I'm very bad at that. I don't apologize for that fact, because I do what I want. But uh, this one I'm going to try to stick to it a little better. So let's move on to movie the third, because Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 is actually two movies. Oh boy. Uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Uh, This is a movie that I'd never seen before, uh, and had sort of seen and had people reference over the years and always felt left out because I had no idea what they were talking about. Uh, so, just decided to finally pull the trigger, and uh, I'm glad I did. Excuse me as I clear my throat. <coughs> um, yeah, um, rating-wise, I'd go a solid 4 out of 5. Uh, it's not as good from my point of view as a Kill Bill movie, so that makes sense, that rating, I suppose. Um, Johnny Depp uh, stars in the role. He is the titular. <laughs> titular. Uh, Gilbert Grape. He's a, a young man who lives in a family where there's no father. Uh, I guess he died. Uh, the mother's, you know, five, six hundred pounds, somewhere in there. She's a big lady. And he's sort of feeling that he's in the role of keeping this family together and uh, having a difficult time doing so more and more often. Uh, a lot of that difficulty comes in the form of Leonardo DiCaprio, who plays his younger brother, who's got some sort of mental um, problems. I'm not sure. He's a little slow, I guess you could say. <clears throat> so a lot of it is his almost raising his younger brother, which is never a good or easy situation. Uh, so you've got some laughs, you've got some cries, and uh, overall movie I would recommend, which is not surprising because it's famous for being a a pretty good movie, right? It's been around for a long time, people are uh, fond of this movie, and I'm adding myself now to that list of people who like it. Moving on to Comic-Con, episode four, A Fan's Hope. Oh. Uh, This is one of those movies where I got... Fair, more, let's just say longer than I would care to admit into it before realizing that I had seen it. <laughs> uh, the, the strange thing is, I, I looked because sometimes I can find past podcast episodes where I have spoken of movies, and I looked for this one. I couldn't find it, so maybe it was even before the, the I started the podcast, the BP before podcast. You might say, <clears throat> I guess that's possible, but the movie's not that old. Uh, basically it is... Oh, shit, what's his name? Let's see here. Comic-Con... Morgan Spurlock, yeah. Uh, Morgan Spurlock, documentarian extraordinary, you might say. Uh, decided to... Oh, motherfucker. Okay, well, we're out of time, so I didn't have time to talk about, uh, Brian Regan live from Radio City. Other to say, it was really good. Four to five for that. Today's television talk sponsor is Zygon Brand Calamari. Oh, sounds pretty delicious. <clears throat> okay, so uh, here in this television talk, we're going to talk about television, obviously, uh, specifically Doctor Who, 
which is also fairly obvious in the sense that I bring back, I think, just about every episode because of the shows that I currently watch on a regular basis, it is my favorite. So, uh, while it's on the air, because there's so few episodes compared to, say, a American television show, like I will have next week, huh? Tease. Uh, there's less episodes, so uh, I like to bring them all back. That, that sort of idea. Especially because they're easy to talk about, I find, just because they're so jam-packed. Uh, here, I've actually brought back two. Uh, and you'll understand why in a moment. Uh, episode the first is called The Zygon Invasion. Episode two we're going to talk about is called The Zygon Inversion. I like what they did there. Mr. Stephen Moffat, you still do a good show. Uh, the Zygons are an interesting Doctor Who villain uh, species. Basically, how do they look? They've got like triangular heads that's got like suckers on them. Uh, they're red. Uh, they're pretty fiendish looking, I suppose, but they also have that sort of uh, classic-y Doctor Who, a little rubbery costume look to them, which uh, I don't think is a bad thing. I, th I think it fits with the show. Um, one of the cool things about them, or the main cool thing about them, <clears throat> other than their appearance, is the fact that they can look like humans, so... Uh, that adds a lot of different layers. Uh, it's very, very reminiscent of oh, uh, Battlestar Galactica in the sense. Well, hold on, let me explain. Uh, the uh, what the hell were they called? Oh my god, uh, Android is not what they were called, but uh, they had robots that could look like human, and you couldn't tell if it was a human or a robot. So it sets up a lot of. Uh, interesting things as far as characters interacting with one another, not knowing if they're human or not. Uh, and that sort of uh, amped up levels of, oh, you know, should I trust them? Should I not trust them? Oh, what if that person is, uh, is going to try to kill me behind my back? Uh, a lot of that sort of idea, which uh, makes for tense viewing. Uh, on the part of the viewer, because quite often we, the viewer, don't actually know either uh, if it's a good guy or a bad guy, and we can't always tell what actions people are committing, whether they be good or evil, so... <clears throat> good on that. Uh, the Zygons were in a previous uh, bunch of episodes, I guess it was. And uh, just for a little backstory, they are... In this universe, in the Doctor Hugh universe, Hugh, Doctor Hugh, uh, universe, uh, living among humans uh, by the sort of agreement of humans and Zygons, uh, living in peace. However, that peace is going to be shattered because there's always got to be one fucking asshole who comes along and ruins everything for the rest of us. That reminds me. Uh, I live on a street where uh, they recently got rid of uh, street parking, so I couldn't park on the street. Uh, then I was parking on sort of a section of my lawn until my wife got home, and then we would move cars because it made it easier to do that. Some asshole on the street complained that me and a bunch of other people on the street, probably six to ten other houses, were doing the same thing I was doing. So this asshole goes to the town and complains... Uh, about this fact, and we all get warnings not to park on our lawn anymore uh, because it's against a bylaw. 
So this guy, I just want to say, out there listening to this, I'm sure he is not, but if he was, when the apocalypse happens and we are forced to eat people, I'm going to your house first because you're going to taste delicious because revenge is a dish best served cold. Huh? Really went on a tangent there. Today's book banter sponsor is the Viking Elf Vegan Tavern. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, today I have a book called The Broken Sword, or Sword, if you prefer, and I hope you do because it sounds funny. Uh, the author is Paul Anderson, P-O-U-L. Uh, you know, is that a guy or a girl? I don't actually know. <coughs> uh, over the years, I've read a few Paul Anderson stuffs. And he or she always, uh, I've always enjoyed. So uh, when I was sort of searching for my next book and saw this and felt like a little fantasy in my life, as I do from time to time, I pulled the trigger and I am happy I did so because it was a good book. Um, Rating-wise, because if I forget to give my rating when I remember to give it, sometimes I won't give it, uh, I'll probably go most of the book four, maybe even some five out of five moments. Some some really good battley five out of five mono a mono moments. Uh, to me, kind of towards the end, fell apart a little bit. I tried to avoid spoilers. Uh, it basically just felt like it ended. Um, okay, I'm not going to avoid spoilers. The the bad guy died. Okay, that's not really a spoiler. The good guy. Uh, also died. <laughs> and then we're just kind of left with that being the end of the book, which is a very, very strange thing to do. But uh, maybe you give it points for originality in the sense I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, okay, so the story uh, takes place in a sort of uh, England, Ireland, Scotland, in which we are to assume the the realm of fairy, and that's spelt uh, F A I R E, or uh, anyways, there's no Y in it. <laughs> uh, actually, exist, and the 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 elven nation and the troll nation are sort of fighting uh, amongst one another, and always have done. Uh, we've got talk of. God as in the Christian God. We've got talk of the gods of uh, of old as in sort of North Norse gods, uh, Odin and Thor and that and that sort of thing. So all this rolled into one uh, with sort of backdrop of uh, an elf finding a baby that has not yet been christened, which means it is able to kidnap the baby because apparently christening prevents elves from kidnapping babies. Alright, makes as much sense as anything in the Bible. Uh, so, uh, he replaces this baby with a sort of half-troll changeling that uh, looks like a human, but is not actually. Uh, we, we jump ahead many years till when uh, this, this stolen human child who's raised by elves has sort of come into his own. He's a, a strong man, uh, a noble man, a good man, uh, and in his place is this changeling who, as I said, is half troll, which I guess has made him a bit of a dick. Uh, they end up 
meeting uh, when the good guy saves the sister of the bad guy, who obviously is actually his sister, uh, they fall in love. The good the good guy and the sister who is actually his sister. Are you confused? Okay, good. Uh, basically what this leads to is something, another sort of strange thing, which I don't know if I've seen much of. I guess if you're a Game of Thrones watcher, you have, uh, and that is incest in fantasy. Somehow, some way, uh, is 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 incest in the realm of fantasy more prevalent than it is in other things? It's definitely sci-fi because you don't see that very often or ever. Huh. Anyways, uh, that would be an interesting study: the role of uh, incest in fantasy and why it is there, where it isn't in other genres. Would it be interesting, or would it be goddamn creepy? Hmm, that is a good question. Uh, yeah, so uh, eventually the bad changeling ends up uh, uh, taking over all the Isle, the Isle of England, uh, with the help of his troll brethren. Um, there's fights, there's, there's sexiness, there's all sorts of good things. Four to five. As I said, we're out of time. Yay. Game Gabin. Today's game Gabin sponsor is Puzzle Fuckers. Okay, in this uh, Game Gabin episode, I have The Room 3. Ah. How long ago did The Room come out? I don't remember, but I'm fairly certain it is one of the first games I reviewed on this podcast. Uh, If not the first um, uh, mobile game I ever reviewed on the podcast, I I think that's a, a strong possibility. If... I was a professional, or perhaps had a staff, <laughs> I would have looked into that. <clears throat> but uh, every time a room game comes out, I will uh, guarantee bring it back and talk about it, because they are, I think, for your bang, for your buck, and they're not free, as many uh, iPhone, uh, Android games are free, and they are, these are not. Uh, this one was about $5, I think, uh, Canadian, I should perhaps specify. Uh, for your bang, for your buck, probably the best uh, iPhone games that are out there. They're really just incredible in terms of uh, visual, visuals, oh boy, uh, visuals, sound, uh, in gameplay, which I, I guess are the sort of the trifecta of a game. Uh, to pull the sort of graphics they do out of an iPhone. Uh, it's pretty impressive. I suppose they've made uh, leaps and bounds, but definitely uh, in terms of art style and just graphics, uh, some of the most beautiful uh, things you'll see in a game. Beautiful with that sort of degree of creepiness, which uh, which I enjoy. Uh, this is, I think, the only game that I play where I need the sound on. Uh, If I'm sitting with the missus, which I quite often play mobile games when she's watching one of her stupid Real Housewives shows on the TV and I can't stand that, 
So uh, quite often I'll uh, I'll play beside her and I'll have the earplugs in in this game in particular because you need the the music and the sounds accompanying this game uh, to really pull you in and this game does pull you in I, I will say that I I kind of feel like maybe this one wasn't as good as the last one which is a little disappointing uh, and maybe it was just in terms of overall uh, creepiness I I kind of feel like the last one. <clears throat> like I don't want a horror game. Uh, when I when I play the the room games. But uh, but I do like that underlying uh, kind of what's going to happen next. Oh, that's friggin' creepy. Maybe a little goosebumpy while you're at it. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the room games, uh, basically what it is 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 uh, you find yourself in a room. Um, there'll be say a box. This is just a, a rough example. And you've got to figure out how to open the box, which will then let you leave the room. Now, what I've just described sounds potentially unexciting or boring or uninteresting. But the way in which they go about this through through puzzles, through problem solving, through tricks, tips, through... Just, just really, uh, I've never played a game where I felt such a sense of accomplishment, and and I'm probably even going into uh, non-mobile gaming. Like when you solve some of these puzzles, and you do so without using the tips that are available, you really feel like a smart person, <laughs> which is kind of uh, it's kind of funny. But uh, uh, if you're having trouble with a particular puzzle, uh, there are tips that can help you along the way. <clears throat> there was one moment, I will admit, uh, where I had all the tips available and still had no idea what to do next. Uh, and I found when it happened in that case, and I can't be specific because I can't remember, uh, I had to go online and look for the answer. And I did think, oh, there's no way in hell anyone would know how to do that. Uh, so I felt a little validated that the only time I had to go online... I didn't feel bad about it. I, I kind of felt like, oh, come on, that's that's ridiculous. And it only happened once, so uh, that is impressive. Uh, if I didn't say 5 out of 5, I will do so now. Folks, we're on track here. Yes. Today's uh, Internet Intercourse sponsor is Bob Ross Indica. Thank you for that sponsorship. Item the first is, oh, look at that, Bob Ross, the joy of painting. Why? Is this in an Internet Intercourse segment, you might ask? Because the good people over at, I don't know, somewhere, the good people over at the Internet Uh, decided to put the, I think, complete series of all things Bob Ross, The Joy of Painting, on YouTube. So you, like me, can go onto YouTube, type in Bob Ross, dude like me, and subscribe to his channel. Is he still alive, actually? That's, again, all I need is a staff to research this sort of things, and I'd be much more prepared. Staff... 
Uh, anyways, uh, all the episodes I think that he ever did are available on this YouTube channel. Uh, I'm probably four or five in. Uh, the missus and I even watched, uh, did we watch one or two? We, I, we watched at least one together. These things, man, I, I remember them from back in the day. Uh, I guess when they were originally aired. I, I don't know if that's right. Because that would be, what, back in the... Is it in the 80s or the 70s? If it's in the 70s, it wasn't when it originally aired because I was born in 81. And even if it was in the 80s, it would be kind of strange of me to be watching these as a little kid. Anyways, they are just incredible on many levels. The levels being that if you're having a tough day, which don't we all from time to time, one today, in fact, yet still recording a podcast, hey, the show must go on. Uh, it'll just relax you, it'll mellow you. It's like a good pot if you were to smoke such a thing, which I hope you do. Or don't. Hey, whatever, I'm not going to judge. And now they're just Bob Ross. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Bob Ross, what he does is he paints pictures. <laughs> and you watch him do it. It was on public access television, and somehow, despite the fact that it was on public access... Uh, and many, many years ago, it has sort of survived to this day. I think it's just the the uber mellowness, the the, the sort of highest chill factor. Uh, really, it just can unwind you watching one of these things. You're like 20 minutes long. Um, the other sort of cool level of this is the fact that he uses a painting style, which I guess is not uh, the norm, and I did air quotes there, uh, and it allows him to paint within like 20 minutes a really, really kind of beautiful picture. Uh, I think it's always, at least I've never seen one that's not, a uh, landscape picture, so, so you know. Okay, uh, moving on to uh, Watch Mojo Top 5 Fallout Playthroughs. Interesting. Uh, I kind of put this one more on the list for the fact that uh, I wanted to give a warning of uh, uh, upcoming game Gabin sec- segments, and that is I just started to play uh, on this past weekend Fallout 4, and as I sort of predicted from the get-go, I am in love, so you're going to be seeing a lot of Fallout 4 in my Game Gabin, game gabin sec- segments. Oh boy. Uh, so so that's just sort of warning <clears throat> that that'll be happening. Uh, this is this Watch Mojo Top 5 is uh, people who posted their playthroughs of Fallout games online. And uh, it was good and I liked it. Okay, moving on to the last and final item, which I feel like I'm running out of time. <clears throat> uh, it is a new podcast I have added to my podcast uh, listening repertoire. Uh, it is called uh, James Bonding Podcast, rather the James Bonding Podcast, with Matt Myra and Matt Gorley. As you can guess, it's a couple of guys named Matt talking about James Bond movies. Hmm. <coughs> Sorry for all the throat clears today, but uh, you know what are you gonna do? Uh, not clear your throat, and then what happens? I don't know. It's a good experiment. Someone else try it and send me your results. Uh, yeah, so if you're a fan of James Bond, good. If you're a fan of podcasts, good. If you're a fan of Matt Myra and Matt Gorley, good. And I am all of those things, so obviously this was a, a easy pull for me. Uh, they did something very, very smart on this, and maybe OCD people might not like it. They'll talk about uh, the first movie 
uh, Doctor No, and then they'll talk about the most recent movie, and then they'll talk about the second movie, and then they'll talk about the second most recent movie, and then meet in the middle, uh, which they have not yet done. Uh, at least I don't think they've done. Maybe they have, because I noticed that the episode dates were from, like, 2013, so I don't know how slow or quickly they recorded these. Uh, anyways, the, the combination of these two... Oh, there'll be guests as well. Uh, basically, the, the guest will be someone who loves the... Or at least loves to talk about the particular James Bond movie that they're on. Uh, I've listened to three or four or five. I, I can't really remember episodes so far. And they're really, really well done. Kind of interesting, a podcast like this, which I don't know if I have any that are kind of on the go, that has a sort of definitive end point. Like, there's only so many James Bond movies, so eventually they're going to reach the last one, and then the podcast will be over. I, I guess they could do new episodes as new movies come out, that sort of thing, but uh, it, it's like the Frasier podcast, which I'm thinking of uh, starting as well. Uh, once they finish talking about all the episodes of Frasier, you know, that's that's sort of it. That's that's the end. Uh, I would recommend this one it's just as a general podcast love. A general podcast in general? Oh boy. But uh, if, if you like any of the things James Bond, Matt, Mara, Matt Meyer, or Matt Gorley, you'll like it even more so, folks... That leaves the final thing to say, which is, of course, it's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. (laughs) I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper